Well, good evening. If you have your Bibles, I hope you'll turn over to the, uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to uh, show you a couple of scriptures from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, but we're going to spend the bulk of our time in Matthew chapter 18, and I hope that you will uh, follow along there. I also gave some handouts, and hopefully you're able to get one. I'm one of these guys who likes to have things to fill in and follow along, and I offer that to our congregation week to week. And so I had those available tonight. Hopefully you're able to uh, pick one up. I, I like your summer series topic of confident Christian living. You've been studying lessons that kind of give us guidance and uh, confidence while living a Christian life and, and serving uh, the loving God that we serve. And my topic for tonight is forgiving and being forgiven. And in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 31 and 32, we actually read this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I'd like to interject here real quickly. Personally, I believe... If you truly want to serve God and be confident in your personal Christian walk, then learn to have a forgiving spirit. Because if we don't have a forgiving spirit, then we have a bitter spirit. We have a hard spirit. We have a stubborn type of spirit and you know what that Spirit does? That Spirit robs us of what Jesus Christ truly wants us to be in Him each and every day. Now, I also believe that forgiveness is a topic that a lot of times in my life, I'll look back and say, hey Greg, I think you're doing pretty good at this forgiveness thing. But I think I'm deceiving myself, and I think we all do. I don't think forgiveness is something that we truly handle the way that Jesus intended. And so as we dive into this topic tonight, and as you stand here or sit here tonight and listen to this young 45-year-old, or at least I want to think 45 is still a little young. To my 80-year-old, it's not. But as you sit here and listen to this 45-year-old guy, I want you to do me just one favor as you listen to this topic tonight on forgiveness. And that is just kind of drop. Drop all of your preconceived notions that you may have about forgiveness. And just trust God's Word. Just drop what it is that you think about forgiveness and just be open to what God's Word has to say. And also, I want you to remember in the back of your mind, Hosea chapter 14, where it says the ways of the Lord are right and the righteous walk in them. And I want you to remember even like words of Isaiah 55 that says His ways are not our ways. Because that's what we want to do a lot of times when it comes to the topic of forgiveness. So tonight, we look at forgiveness because when someone wounds us, what's our first tendency? Our first tendency is to say, hey, you're going to wound me? Well, guess what? I'm going to give you some wounds He's going to come right back at you, Right? It's like that old cheerleader cheer, hit them again, harder, harder. That's the society mindset that we have a lot of times. When someone wounds us, I'm going to say right back at you, you're going to get a few wounds yourself. 
But it's that kind of spirit that we were talking about just a minute ago that brings us into direct confrontation with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus taught us to pray this prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, forgive us our trash baskets because we all have those mental waste baskets and we store all of this stuff that people have done to us at the worst moments throughout their lives. But what do you do? What do you do when that trash basket kind of gets full? Well, if you have that question, Peter had that same question in Matthew chapter 18. And when you look down at verse 21, this is what it says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. In other words, you need to keep emptying that trash basket if you don't want to get at odds with God. Now, personally, I think Peter thought he was being pretty gracious, pretty, pretty merciful. <laughs> Peter, knowing Peter, uh, from what we read about him in Scripture and study about him, Peter probably was expecting some kind of compliment. Because, you see, the rabbis of this day, they taught that you should forgive your neighbor three times and no more. Just three times. And so it's like Peter was quite willing to kind of go above and beyond, right? He was expected to go above and beyond of his religious culture, so he kind of doubles the number, throws in one more for good measure. I mean, wouldn't that be good if somebody did you wrong and you thought, okay, i got two more times. I can forgive that. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could just forgive our neighbor three or maybe seven times? And what Peter's implying here, I think, is Peter's implying that a good person, a good Christian, they should be a frequent forgiver, but not a continually, constantly forgiving person. Because after all, if you're constantly forgiving someone, you're going to be taken advantage of, right? But certainly we should be frequently forgiving. And Jesus says, no, Peter. If you're going to follow me, then you need to pursue a higher standard. You need to pursue a higher standard of righteousness, and you need to start aiming higher than most, aiming higher than the average person. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm calling you to an entirely new standard. In fact, I want you to listen, since you got your Bible open to Matthew 18, or you can look on the screen. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 17. He says this, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, Jesus' word says, forgive him. Now, can you believe that? Some of you are having a hard time forgiving your husband seven times after 30 years of marriage. But Jesus is saying seven times in a week, seven times in a day? And Jesus says, if someone sins against you seven times in one day and comes back with a spirit of, of repentance, then you need to accept that. And you know what the disciples said? <laughs> Probably what we would say. Increase our faith. It's almost like they're saying, Lord, if that's the standard, 
then we don't measure up. I mean, that's beyond normal. And we are going to need divine help to live up to that standard. You know, we sometimes put these apostles up on pedestals and we make them stained glass figures in our, in our churches today because we, we look at them as just being just unbelievable men who never struggled with anything. And they constantly struggled with their faith. And here they're saying, Lord, increase our faith because if that's the standard, we don't measure up. And it starts with a new way to think. And so Jesus kind of gives them a theology of forgiveness. It's kind of a new way to think. And he does it through the telling of a simple story, like Jesus always did. And so when you go back to Matthew chapter 18, Jesus has told Peter to forgive 77 times. Basically, Peter, don't ever give up on someone, especially a believer. Don't ever just write someone off. Don't ever say to your neighbor, no more chances for you. And so he, he tells them this story. And we're going to read this story together tonight. And, and I'm just going to tell you, this is a hard story. Now, it's a gracious story. It's a story of mercy. And it's a very, very demanding story with as hard a punchline as any story that I think Jesus ever told. And so beginning in verse 23 of Matthew 18, I want you to listen to what the Word of God says. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he has not been able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. And instead he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay that debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Then in verse 35, we read this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now that's a hard story. And I find it interesting that the master did not call the one servant wicked because of this large debt. He calls him wicked because after having been forgiven of his debt, he would not go out and forgive his neighbor. And I think what this story does is it tells us the dynamic importance of remembering. Remembering what God has done for you when you decide how you're going to go out and treat your neighbor. Now, our lesson this evening has two key points, and if you have that outline, here's the first key point that I want to make tonight, and it's this. You will not forgive if you forget your own forgiveness. Plain and simple. 
Friends, we need to remember grace each and every day of our lives. Because forgiveness received is to be forgiveness relayed. Uh, And the cross, which is mercy and grace and forgiveness and carrying the burden of another's sin, friends, that's to be the foundation of our relationships, is it not? If we forget that we've been forgiven, we're not going to be forgiving people. We're going to be hard. We're going to be stingy. We're going to be critical. And then our hearts will become very, very small. If you want abundant grace, if you want this confident Christian living, if you want abundant grace, let me tell you something. You cannot be stingy in giving it away. So what can we learn from forgiveness in this story? Well, i got four implications for you. And here's number one. Forgiveness accepts someone no matter how great the offense. Now, I'm going to give you a second to write that down because I don't want you to miss this point. Friends, please do not misunderstand forgiveness. Forgiveness is not denying that a wrong has been committed. Forgiveness is not pretending that it didn't hurt. Forgiveness is not benign tolerance where we call something okay and it's really not okay. And I've had people actually come up to me and say, but Greg, you don't understand. If I forgive them, it's like I'm saying that what they did is acceptable. My response? No way. Forgiving the offender does not mean that you endorse the offense. Just look at how God works in our life. God never winks at sin. God never approves of sin. Scripture tells us God hates sin. But does He forgive us of our sin? Absolutely. The main reason we a lot of times mistake forgiveness for excusing wrongdoing is we've kind of got this warped idea about what accompanies true forgiveness. We have this mistaken notion that when we forgive someone, that it should never happen again or it should never even be mentioned about what happened again. Or we should act like it just never happened. But it's essential that once we release a person through forgiveness that we speak truth about that offense. And as Galatians 6 and verse 1 says, we lovingly seek to restore them. Friends, forgiveness is a choice. And I had to learn that at an early age when I went through the roughest time of my life. Forgiveness is a choice. Independent of my feelings, I have to choose to extend mercy and compassion to the one who committed this offense against me. It's a decision on my part to extend grace. It's Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, this parable to me reveals the enormity of God's grace. And the size of the offense has no bearing on the offer. Because God is is rich in mercy. 
and unlimited in His grace. And He can forgive small debts. He can forgive large debts. Because any debt to Him can be covered by His grace. God can forgive any offense. And the size of the debt has no impact on the offer of forgiveness. In this story that we just read, one man owed his master 10,000 talents. You know what that is? That is a deliberately exaggerated term. It's like $40 billion. No one can have a debt like that. But guess what? Before God we do. And it is completely beyond our ability to pay. But God in His mercy has said, Greg, Carrie, Randy, you no longer owe me. You know, an often used metaphor in Scripture to illustrate the mercy of God is the ocean. And you know why? Because there's always enough of it. It's kind of like what Micah said in chapter 7, beginning of verse 18. It said, Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of His inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Aren't you glad that mercy is one thing God has enough of? But here's a question for you tonight, and it's a question for me more than anybody in this room. Do you forgive like that? Do you forgive like that? Or when you face certain instances and certain people, is mercy in short supply in your heart? Have you ever said, that's it? I've had it up to here with you, no more. You used all your chips. Do you ever run out of mercy? Friends, God offers mercy in great supply. And if you can release some of that mercy that God sends your way, then I think you can also do this second thing. Here's point number two. Forgiveness releases someone from the obligation to repay their debt. Many times we say that we are forgiving people, but you know what we do? We stick it right here in the holster, right? <laughs> okay, I forgive you. But when it happens again, boy, it's coming right out. Many times we say we're offering pardon, but it's really probation. But aren't you grateful that God releases us from any obligation to repay Him? And He does it through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Some of us are harder to please than God is. David knew that. David in the psalm said, let me fall into God's hands, not men, because God will be so merciful to me. Now, if the blood of Jesus satisfied God... Why aren't we satisfied? And I go back to our text tonight from Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be kind and compassionate one to another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Here's point number three. Forgiveness acknowledges that we are all debtors. This is where you ask yourself, can you remember? Can you identify what it was like to be in desperate need of grace. 
A very good friend of mine came to me about four or five years ago. He was going through a tough time in his marriage, and he spent a little time with Amy and I at our house. And I remember one late night we were up talking, and he had understood what he had done in his marriage. He had repented. And I'll never forget as we were talking one night, he looked at me and he said, why are people so stingy with grace? Can you remember? Can you remember a time in your life when you were so desperate in need of grace? The reason we have trouble forgiving is we have trouble remembering forgiveness our own. Peter didn't realize how large his debt was before God, or he would have never asked the question. He would have never said, Lord, you think seven times is enough? You see, we accumulate our debt before God in different ways. I don't know how large your debt is. You don't know how large mine is. Your debt may be made up of one kind of sin, mine of another, but we all have one thing in common, and that is we cannot repay what we owe. Do we really realize what it is that God's done for us? The freedom, the release from the slavery that is ours. We were imprisoned in our sin and guilt. There was no hope there for us. Eternal darkness was our future because our debt was real. I like Romans 6, beginning in verse 21. It says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit that you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, these verses are saying to me, Greg, do you realize what God's done for you? I mean, did you see how you just treated your neighbor? Do you realize what God's done for you? You've been called to life that's truly life. Now, you get a reprieve like that, and then you turn around and you go treat your neighbor like that? You go treat a fellow brother and sister like that? Why do we continue to treat the ones we love the most the worst? Only if we don't remember Forgiveness our own. If you find forgiveness hard to do, personally, you probably haven't taken the sin in your own life very seriously yet. And you know what? We love to say grace is a wonderful thing as long as I'm uh, the object of it. But why does God have to give it to other people? But friends, God will never ask you to forgive your neighbor a greater debt than He has already forgiven in you. And here's the fourth point. Forgiveness is not just an act, but it's an attitude. The second servant begged forgiveness from the one who was just forgiven. But the one who received this great mercy from this king refused. One translation says he was unwilling. It was not that he could not forgive the debt. It was that he didn't want to forgive the debt. You ever been there? Boy, I have. It's not that I couldn't forgive them, but I didn't want to forgive them. Unlike God, because God delights in mercy, and it comes from His heart. And friends, that's what the cross is all about. God wanting reconciliation with us, 
and God wanting reconciliation between us. And the chief barrier to forgiveness is our will. Do you want to forgive? Do you want to be reconciled? Well, if you do, I have some practical steps for you before we close tonight. And here's number one. Number one is stop fanning the flames of anger and resentment. And friends, let me just tell you, we're really good at this. If we're discontent, if we feel slighted, if we're angry, we can talk about it, we can brood over it, we can talk about it some more, we can find someone else who wants to talk about it with us, we'll make cynical comments, and we can just keep that mad going on for ages because we just keep stoking the flames. But if you really want to forgive, stop doing the things that just keep the anger hot. But then here's number two. Pray for your enemies. Just like Jesus. Pray for your enemies. Isn't it amazing that the pounding of the nails, that loud sound, the pounding of the nails, just wouldn't silence the prayers of Jesus' forgiveness? Pray for your enemies. Dr. Thomas Thompson, in his book, Forgive and Love Again, said this quote, Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door to our peace, our healing, and our ability to love again. And then here's number three. Ask for Holy Spirit empowering. Because you remember what the, remember what the disciples said? Remember what the apostles said? <laughs> Increase our faith. If we are to be not just a frequent forgiver, but a constant forgiver, Friends, I do not believe we can do that on our own fallen, proud, sinful nature. That's just not going to make it happen. Because God is calling us to a, a higher standard than what is normal. So we need to be asking God to give us that empowering because God loves reconciliation. Friends, we need to go to the cross often, right? Every Sunday we take of the Lord's Supper, which reminds us that I need forgiveness and that I've got some forgiving to do. And those of you who might be old enough in this audience today to remember the Vietnam War, you're going to see on the screen a picture. Um, you may remember this. It's kind of one of the most famous pictures from the Vietnam War ever taken. This photo is taken of a little nine-year-old girl that's running naked, crying down a dirt road, having just been victimized by this napalm bomb. And she's screaming, too hot, too hot. And so after the photographer took this photo, he dropped his camera and he picks up that little girl you see second from the left there. And he picks her up and he takes her over to the Jeep that he had and he starts pouring cold water on her. And so he, he leaves her there in the Jeep, he gets in and he carries her to receive some medical attention. No one thought this girl was going to live. She spent 14 months in a hospital. And what was left of her left arm was kind of fused to her side, but, but she lived. Her name is Kim Fook. And she studied pharmacology in Cuba. She married, she sought political asylum in Finland, and now she and her husband actually live in Canada. And after about 20 years... 
Kim was asked to come back and speak at a memorial service at the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. And during her speech, she said these words, If I could meet the pilot who dropped that bomb, I would tell him or her, I forgive you. Well, it just so happened in the crowd that day was a soldier who was involved in the planning of that mission. And he met Kim backstage, and she invited him to her hotel room. And when they got back down to back to their hotel room, her, her husband there, her children were there, and this young man was there, and they were talking, and Kim got down on her knees, and she prayed that this man would be able to receive her forgiveness. Now, what a lot of people didn't know about Kim is that she became a Christian. She became a believer in Jesus Christ in the 1980s. And she said in her book, when I came up out of those waters, the day of my baptism, I decided I would not let my wife be dominated by bitterness. She wanted to forgive. And I love that story. And as I look at Kim's story, I think, you know what? She wanted to forgive. I sometimes wonder if I do. Because one of the hardest verses I've ever read in all of Scripture was after that unforgiving servant was sent away to prison, Jesus says, this is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I so wish Jesus just would have said, forgive your brother. But he adds that phrase, from your heart. In other words, what does it mean to forgive from the heart? It's the center of your being. It's the core of who you are. Your mind, your will, your emotions, they're all a part of this forgiving process. Because God will not tolerate a people who squeeze His grace and mercy. And you know what? That theme's found elsewhere. James chapter 2 and verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Luke 6, beginning in verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so as we close tonight, here's key point number two. Friends, grace must flow out of our lives if it's to keep flowing in. Grace received is to be grace-related. A story is told about General Oglethorpe who once said to John Wesley these words. He said, I never forgive and I never forget. And John Wesley turned right to him and said, then sir, I hope you never sin. My goal this evening is to help us remember forgiveness. Because friends, we will not be forgiving people if we forget our own forgiveness. 
And forgiving someone, it's not the result of our emotional healing, it's the beginning of it. You work from forgiveness to healing, not from healing to forgiveness. And tonight we've talked about this tall task of extending forgiveness to others. And friends, I by no means have it all figured out or have it conquered. But let me just be really honest with you before we close tonight. There's been one person in my life that I can truly say has really, truly hurt me to my core. And I had to get to the point in my life to be able to extend that forgiveness. To extend that person true from the heart forgiveness. And if you think I did it quickly and overnight, you would be wrong. It wasn't easy. It was hard. And it took a while. But I searched my heart. I read and I studied God's Word. And only because of God's help, I was able to come to that heart of forgiveness. But you know what the most important factor to me was when I was going through that entire process? You know what I told myself over more and more? I have to forgive. God commands, I have to forgive. I can't forgive is the common cry of those who have been severely hurt by the words or actions of others. But is forgiveness a matter of ability? Or is it a matter of obedience? Is it that we can't forgive? Or that we won't forgive? Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite this evening and stand up and tell you that now that I'm a father, if someone does something to one of my girls, that it'll come easy, because it won't. But the Bible makes it clear. God is mindful of our emotions, but the Bible makes it clear that when God calls on us to do something, he will always give us the ability to follow through no matter how we feel about it. And friends, the beauty of obeying God is that you're involved in Him. You see, it's your obedience that shifts your focus from the offender to God. And when your thoughts are more heavenward, you tend to see the bigger picture. You begin to develop a scriptural perseverance, if you will, toward the entire offense. And remember, as God ministers to you, as God ministers to me, that's when we become an instrument of peace in His hands. Don't ever forget, our hearts yearn for the peace and the joy for which only forgiveness can lay the foundation. Let's pray together. Father, we love You so very much and we thank You for being a forgiving Father. And we thank You so much for the grace and the mercy that You have in abundant supply. Father, we ask You tonight to help us in our Christian walk to have a forgiving spirit, realizing that we too are in need of your forgiveness each and every day. And Father, most importantly than anything else, we thank you so much for the life of Jesus Christ. 
We thank you for his great love. And we thank you for his great sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. Father, thank you so very much for our time together tonight. Be with us as we dismiss. Keep us always in your loving care. And thank you so very much for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.